This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. Yeah, there's this really useful self-help kind of flavoured book I'm reading at the moment that's sort of feminist inflected, but like very much like third wave white um, rich feminist. It's called I Know How She Does It. And it's quite interesting because it's this um, sort of business-flavored self-help kind of book that comes from the perspective of reasonably wealthy working white mothers. And it takes a data set. And one of the approaches that comes from it is you'll drive yourself fucking mad thinking about 24 hours in a day. It's much more productive to think about 168 hours in a week. So, like, you and I have spoken about sleep a lot, Shag, and sometimes it's like you're working and you're like, oh, fuck, 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 I need to get six hours sleep. And if I don't go to sleep right now, like, the time I wake up means I'm not going to get six hours sleep. Oh, then I'm going to fuck it all up. Fuck, 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 fuck. And so being on a 24-hour perspective, you can sort of add to your anxiety and reduce the likelihood that you're going to get sleep in. But if you take the 168-hour week approach... Your anxiety on Tuesday night can be pushed aside because you're like, I'll sleep in on Sunday morning. And so from my 168-hour week perspective, I'll still get 49 hours sleep, but I'll just get those 49 hours in little pockets here and there. So, you know, like it's good. <laughs> so, so Pete, here's my perspective, right? Yeah. I've, I've just started <laughs> listening back to Spooko mm. because I... It's one of those I know things you've where... I've never heard it before. It's the funniest <laughs> thing. But, but here's the thing. Spook is a really good podcast. Holy yeah, crap. Man. It really is. It really is. But, you know, I've listened back to a few episodes and riddle me this because I think we come across as the sort of podcast that would be sceptical of self-help books and self-help coaches. And in fact, we have whole episode arcs that are about coaches who want to be coaches to coach coaches. Yes, 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 yes. A funny joke that I stand behind. Explain the duality, Peach. You are, (laughs) as someone who is a man of many extremes, Mm. how are you someone who's both skeptical of self-help and a devourer of self-help? Uh, because it's dressed up to me like pop economics. And so pop economics, I'm always down for. It's like, bitch, this isn't one of those like self-helpy type books. We've got data. And I'm like, no. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> tell me more about this data. Don't show me the data, but tell me that you have data. <laughs> and then if you put it in the form of an audio book that I can listen to at double speed, then it all just gets gobbled up and I don't even have to pay attention. So it's a good outcome. All right. Well, speaking of data, one of the things Mm. we uncovered in the last episode Mm. was the fact that as as woke as we try to be and as uh, accepting of all perspectives as as we try to be, Mm. you know, we're mainly a podcast that talks about horror films directed by men. That's just the way it's happened so far. Mm. Um, A couple of people afterwards, including Megan, who was our guest last week, sent us suggestions 
about horror yes. films directed by women. And yeah, we better be fucking accepting that. I thought you were like, and we thought about it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a twist? Oh, that would be fuck. a big twist for this podcast if we were like, you know what? That was the right decision all along. <laughs> And of t- now of all times to be like, no, now's the time oh, to take that stand. <laughs> no, no, no. So, it, you know, it's it's a case of it's we can't just be like, well, it's not our fault. It's like, no, 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 it is our fault because we didn't look hard enough. Yep, yep, so yep, it had some really, really had some really good suggestions. Mm. And there's this one film that I actually didn't realize was directed by a woman that I've wanted to do for ages, but it's actually been really hard to track down. It's showed up on a lot of end of year lists and in fact here's when you know a horror film's actually pretty amazing when mm. it doesn't just get nominated for best horror film at the fuck i'm scared horror festival yeah, in germany yeah, or whatever like the splatter fest <laughs> or fucking whatever yeah fuck that. but it actually gets nominated for film film awards and this yes. film had been nominated for quite a few awards uh that was one of the reasons why it's been piquing my interest for a while Another of the reasons it's been piquing my interest is because it's a cannibal film, and you know how we like to oh, really investigate cannibal films. The logistics, films. the logistics mm. of cannibal films—it's just really challenging. But the final reason I wanted to do this mm. film is because it has been listed in a lot of most disturbing, most gory, most awful films of the last twenty years. You know, like, and <sighs> I will freely admit that as a horror fan. I'm kind of attracted to those disturbing experiences. I seek them out. And this is one that I've been a bit scared to do, but I want to share with you today. Are the last 20 years the most gory? Like we've had an exchange with Amber on Instagram about how she'd managed to get through uh, every single spooko at bar the human centipede and then listened to it and was like, oh, fuck this. And I sort of imagine that, goriness and the imagination that's applied to horror films has progressed such that 40 years ago it might be like look out for the skeletons and blood to the point where goriness these days is very much goriness 3.0 and that there's almost nothing pre the years of i don't know 2000 or so that would gore someone out so let me give you my perspective on this as not Mm. a film scholar but as someone who's watched a lot of horror films and can Mm. clearly see that distinction So I don't think they're necessarily gorier, but I think two things have happened. I think, Mm. number one, the effects have gotten more realistic and Mm. you can do more realistic effects on a smaller budget. So that's number one. So it feels gorier because it feels less like bright red blood, obvious splatter, you know, paper mache Mm. effects. That doesn't really exist anymore except in, you know, intentional circumstances. Yeah, okay. But then I think the other thing is the rise of torture porn. I think what sets torture porn apart from the slashes and the splatterfest, because they're, you know, the original Friday the 13th, a couple of other films I want to do in the future are incredibly Mm. violent from that era. And, Mm. you know, a lot of those films are still banned in Australia and different countries around the world. Mm. But what sets these apart is the willingness to show the cruelty of it, like almost like the misanthropy of it. You know, it's not just about a death or a creative death. It's about showing the pain. It's about... Really making sure that the person inflicting it is being, you know, is feel, you know, the emotions are being felt. You know, it's there's something almost like a little bit evil about it. And like, I, I'm kind of happy to say that this film is not that. Okay. But this film, like you, Peach, the, the film we're going to do today, you could never watch. 
with your vaser vein. Like, oh, I'm this actually is on the wor- no, this is on the never. Part. I'm I'm worried about you today because this film is. I watched it with Adele the other night. And there was there was a couple of moments when I looked over to her and she was just not looking at the screen and I wasn't looking at the screen and then I looked back at the screen and then you know I'd be like no 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 I'm not going to look at the screen again. I've got a vasovagal update by the way. I had my most recent one just the other week. So it was my birthday last week. We're at my mum and dad's house and I just bopped my big. T- sounds really weird and vague. I bopped my big toe in some weird way and it got under a floorboard and then back up and it just did a slice that bled a lot. And I had this scarring emotional experience, Shag, that was my wife and your then housemates, like 20, you know, third birthday or something, where I'm not sure if you remember this. I said, guys, watch this. I'm going to punch through this glass wall. And it's going to be amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> please, please retell this story. And so I was like, all right, everyone stand back. I'm pretty, I'm not particularly weak. I'm reasonably good at throwing fists. I'm going to break this, this reasonably large pane of glass. And so I set myself up and went kaboom. And... Um, you know, this very large pane of glass went wugga, 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 and nothing happened. And, of course, my hand hurt a huge <laughs> amount. <laughs> and um, from then on, I was like, oh, actually, Pete, you're an idiot. And so I sort of walked home. And then um, over the following days, my hand started to swell up. And I had a neighbor who, um, <laughs> who was a rugby person who was like, man, you've broken your hand. And I'm like, fuck off. Like, I haven't broken my hand. <laughs> like, it's fine. And so I went to the doctor about a week later and it turned out I'd broken my hand. And I was like, the whole reason I didn't get looked at on the night is that I didn't want to, like, kill the buzz. So that was, like, 2007. So last week, sliced my toe open and it's bleeding moderately, like, large amount. And I'm like, Paige, do not kill the vibe. <laughs> Tuck your toe right up against the leg of the table so that any blood will be easy for you to clean at the end of the night (laughs) and you won't have to like kill like everyone's having a good time (laughs) and you don't want to be the guy who starts bleeding everywhere and look um we'd had like you know we're all fairly boozed um and it was a nice time and someone's like uh Peach, what's going with your foot? And I'm like, um, yeah, sorry, guys. I've been bleeding, bleeding a fair bit for the last little while. And so firstly, I failed in my goal because everyone's like, oh, fuck, and stops and like starts cleaning up and I've ruined the whole flow of the conversation. I'm like, oh, Peach, you idiot. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, there is a fair bit of blow. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a like minor vasovagal moment. So I'm lying on a pillow on the ground because I've nearly fainted. And I'm like, Paige, you're fucking, you're killing the vibe again. You're fucking up the whole party. So then I tried to sit up like three or four more times to be like, guys, don't worry, I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) And then all the blood would drain from my face again and I'd go, ooh, (laughs) I'd have to go lie down. So it's been a good birthday. And you should see how hard I'm going to punch this pane of glass to show you how impressive it's been. So today we're doing a film called Raw.
So you always know you're in for a rough ride when a horror trailer starts off with like gentle instrumental music. It's like, <laughs> oh, don't worry, it's probably not going to switch mood somewhere through here. And you're like, oh, shit. And also, I haven't edited this episode yet, but it is a French film. It probably won't make sense to have heaps of the French. Like, I usually cut in a bit of the trailer, but it's probably just going to be that light, lovely instrumental music that's going to lead us to this synopsis, which is going to be a weird juxtaposition in tones. My God. Just imagine that it's a trailer showing stuff where everything's going fine, and then things take a turn for the turn for the worse. So, first of all, I want to say that horror Mm. truly is... A, a niche genre. We've talked about this before. It still mm. is a niche genre in the fact that I recently signed up for a horror streaming service called Shudder. And mm. the reason I did is because I couldn't find this film anywhere, but it turned up on Shudder. Now, Shudder bills itself as like, you know, the premier horror streaming service, right? So, Peach, you're someone who's now mm. been exposed to almost 80 horror films. Yes. What films would you expect to see on the premier horror streaming service? I think you need to have at least one of the three big 80s franchises, at least one of the Friday the 13th. Not on there. One of the Freddies. Not on there. One of the Halloweens. Not on there. Oh, Halloween 3, 4, and 5 are on there. Oh, fuck. Okay, so <laughs> straight away. Okay. So then then we took, like, I think you need to have a few tent poles to build yourself around. So mm-hmm. do we have our saws? No. Do we have our wrong turns or wrong no. ways or whatever the no, fuck that's don't. called? No, we don't. <laughs> 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 look, look, what, uh, what I'm trying to say is I'm not paying this out, but I'm trying to say that horror is such a niche genre that this service is for mm. people like me who are searching out those deep cuts and can't find them anywhere else because this is the service where I can see Raw from 2017 that screened at a bunch of film festivals but then never really showed up anywhere else and I've been desperate to see it. That's who it's for and that's what I find so interesting you know, about horror and this fandom and about bringing you into this fold. Shaggy, like, is horror one of those genres that lurks on the edge of mainstream? Like, it, it, like if we were to say 20 years ago, comic book films are going to be the most commercially successful <laughs> films of all, <laughs> you know, that would have been an odd thing to say um, because you would have said they're quite a niche and specific genre kind of film. Like, could horror films blow or are they just too um, confrontational in their tone? They're, like, they are designed to upset and so mainstream acceptance must always be elusive to the horror filmmaker. I, I think that's it. And I almost feel like that's such a good description for the horror genre in that it always has to be outside the mainstream. Like it mm. always kind of has, you know, because it changes the stories they tell change based on what's happening in the world. Mm. But what remains the same is that it, it challenges us and I guess brings to life our deepest fears, which is always going to, I guess, be confrontational to a large part of the audience and thus can never truly be mainstream. I think of all the genres, it's the one genre that could never be the most profitable, the most watched, you know, the the most loved. And that's probably what attracts people to it. And that's probably why a service like Shutter works in the sense that it doesn't have those big tentpole moments because that's not who, it's not going for people who've heard of these movies. It's going Mm. for the people who dig deep and, you know, like really love and really search and are looking for those new horror experience, almost, yes. you know, looking for that next horror high. Cause you're like Western's version of shutter or your sci-fi versions of mm. shutter or whatever aren't going to exist. Cause those films can themselves transcend into the mainstream. Yeah. I, I think understand. so. I think so. Like you couldn't have 
you know, for example, you couldn't have a rom-com shutter because it, a rom-com shutter without a Catherine Heigl yeah. film, without Matthew McConaughey, without those sorts of things, just wouldn't mm. make any sense. Yep, I, I just don't, I, I don't see it having that same appeal. But that's the first thing I wanted to say. So finding this film was really interesting. But, but the second thing about this film is, you know, we've talked about, you know, discovering new horror genres. This to me feels kind of new. Now, there absolutely is a tradition of coming-of-age horror films. And, you know, I think, you know, maybe Jennifer's Body is one that mm. we've probably covered others in Spooko. But this is a cannibal coming-of-age film. And mm. it, it, it's, like, which sounds weird, but it actually works really well. I'm, I, 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 don't, I don't 100% know how I feel about this film, but I quite liked it. So today okay. I'm going to share with you from 2017 a French well, 2016, but screened outside of France, or screened outside of film festivals in 2017, a film called Raw. Pete, you ready? Yes. So the very first scene of the film, now this doesn't... I was hoping e the instrumental from Shimmy Shimmy <laughs> would have come into my head faster than it did. I was like, dun, 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 dun. I was like, no, 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 okay. Just, just ignore that joke that I, that I was too slow-witted for. So the film begins with a long road, a car driving along, mm. some sort of figure jumps out in front of the car and then the car swerves off the road, runs into a bowl and crashes. And runs into a bowl? Runs into a pole, sorry. Pole, okay, sick. Runs into a... Yeah, it doesn't run into a pole. <laughs> runs into Pulling a pole. out for the car, all right. <laughs> R.I.P. Runs into a pole and crashes. Mm. We then go to a family, including Justine, who's a lifelong vegetarian, who's on her way to her first semester at vet school with her parents. And we know she's vegetarian because it starts with her in, I guess, a roadside diner at the Bain Marie asking for the mashed potatoes. The person's like, do you want meatballs? And she's like, no, 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 I'm vegetarian. She goes back to the table. She digs through the mashed potato, discovers a meatball in, in, a, in a scene that just feels weirdly graphic and gross the way it's shot. And the parents are like, oh, for fuck's sake. And she's like, it's fine. And the mom's like, no, it is not. And then you hear the mom go off out of, out of shot and like yelling at the person. And there's a moment between the dad and the daughter, the dad being a bit of a like, like there's, there's some camaraderie between the two. And okay, the dad's not like fucking thanks heaps for blowing no, the bar. No, the dad's, like, like, the dad's yeah, like, I know your mom's like this. She, you know, like there, there's this weird element that maybe the mom's like quite, powerful in the family and maybe a little bit over the top and yeah, maybe yeah. a bit controlling and yeah. one of the reasons why her and her soon your the sister who you're soon to meet are mm. both at vet school yeah all right so the vet school she's going to is the same one her older sister alexia is currently attending and we find out pretty soon that it's also one the one where their parents met as well so it's a bit of a family dynasty and there, there are a few interactions with teachers where they know of this family and the teachers are just caught, like expecting quite a lot of them just because they're part of this this famous so, vet family. Ooh la la, Julia, good to see you. Oh, There's sick. a lot of that. There's a lot sick. of that. We're trying to be woke, but I just did a silly French like, <laughs> Now, on her first night, she meets her roommate, Adrian, who says he is gay. Uh, and is then forced to partake in a week-long hazing ritual welcoming the new students. You saw in the trailer a lot of, like, animal blood being dropped on people. That's a bit of a fake-out. That's like a hazing ritual. That's the, the 
like a thing that I thought only existed in American colleges, to be honest. Is this the horror film sort of early indicator of like, don't forget it's a horror film, dudes? A hundred percent. It's foreshadowing. It's absolutely foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. That's a word you've used heaps of times accurately and I've never remembered and never (laughs) used. (laughs) But but keep in mind, the Mm. grossness doesn't actually start until at least halfway through this movie. Great. That's how you also know it's a prestige horror movie where oh, they just... Oh, it's not they, gross straight away. Yeah, yes. they, don't, they don't do an immediate gross. <laughs> Even like the car crash at the, at the start was quite elegant. It's quite mm. elegantly shot. You're just like, hmm, <laughs> oh dear. Delightful. Oh, la, la. <laughs> <laughs> so as part of this like first night hazing ritual... Mm. They're woken up at night. All of their beds are thrown out the window. They're forced into elevators in their, like, you know, pajamas and underwear or whatever they're sleeping Mm. in. They're forced into a basement where they're forced to crawl into this room. But when they get into the room, it's like a big party and there's lights happening everywhere. Mm. And it's very much... It's it's almost like a very, like, you know, teen drama sort of shot, like going Mm. through the party. We follow Justine as she feels, like, a little bit disorientated. She feels, like, a little bit out of it. We see like couples kissing, people taking drugs, like people dancing and having an amazing time. I would hate it so much. I'd be fucked off the whole time. (laughs) I would definitely not get over it. (laughs) I'd be like, I was asleep, you fuckwits. (laughs) It was mean to wake me up and make me do this. (laughs) So, So anyway, so anyway, meanwhile, she eventually finds her sister Alexia in the party. And it turns out Alexia's there dancing on a table with her dog next to her. And she's like, let's go out. Let's go to some other room and like chat and meet up. And their dog just comes with them. And I'm like, what dog Mm. is fine in a giant party? Like what dog is cool to just hang out in a party full of like hundreds of people? Like Clarence, in fairness. Clarence would be like, yeah, "Yeah, man, that's like, that's fun. (laughs) 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 But few, few, few dogs. I accept that. Okay, so... So Alexia takes her out and takes her to like another room in, you know, the vet building where they keep all the, I guess, all like the animal fetuses mm. and animal things in jars and, you know, tries to spook her it's out next to the and dance party room. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 get it. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. But then take shows them all the old class photos of all the students bathed in blood. So it's like everyone mm, gets oh hazed. La la, we all drink blood. Yeah, I'm there. And shows the shows the class photo that involves their parents and is like, mm. see, we all have to go through it. I went through it last year. You're going through it. This is just part of your, you know, the, the ritual. So it's a week long hazing thing. Remember, so Fucking they up. had a bit of a haze thing that's annoying. Then they have a dance party, but for the week they have to just do gross stuff. Like the next morning. They're forced to line up, and when Justine gets to the front of the line, they're forced to eat raw rabbit's kidneys. Yeah, okay, like, that's fucked. But, I mean, yeah. fucking, especially if you're a vegetarian. Like, yeah. Well, Justine's like, well, I'm a vegetarian, I'm not going to do it. Mm. And they're like, what the fuck, you have to do it. And she's like, well, I'm not. And my sister knows I'm a vegetarian. Talk to her. And they call her sister over. And it's that awful thing where the sister is, you know, I guess trying to be caring, but she's now part of this, so she just becomes a bully as well. And she's like, no, it's fine. You should eat one. And Justine's like, I don't want to. And then the sister eats one, even though the sister's supposed to be a vegetarian. And then she forces one into Justine's mouth. Justine eats it and then immediately vomits. <sighs> like consent is his key. Like, mm. can we just say for the moment, hazing rituals like this are completely fucked and inappropriate. And we'll just say it and, and we'll get it out of the way. So... 
Later that night, she discovers a strong, itchy rash all over her body. She goes to the doctor, who diagnoses her with food poisoning and gives her a cream for the rash. Anyway, so the next day, Justine begins having cravings for meat, which makes her ashamed of herself. And because she's ashamed, she takes her roommate, who we met earlier on, who's actually awesome. And in fact, all the characters in this film, mm. I think, are really well done. They're very believable, te- like Sick. late teen, pre-20-year-olds. Like, I mm. believe them. They're very well acted. So because she's ashamed, mm. she and Adrian take a late night trip to a gas station uh, to eat some shawarma. So no one will see her eating meat. But that doesn't satisfy her cravings. So later that night, Adrian wakes up and finds her at the fridge and she's kneeling in front of the fridge. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? She's like, oh, I wanted a midnight snack. I wanted some cereal. And he's like, oh, the cereal's up there. And she's like, oh, I'm just getting the milk. And he kind of goes, okay, <laughs> but then goes back to bed. And then the camera comes down and, and we see her. La she's, la, she's eating. <laughs> What's she eating? Well, she's opened up like a chicken breast or a chicken thigh, like a raw chicken. Mm. And she's eating it like it's the most delicious thing she's ever eaten in her life. And it's raw. Dun, 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 So later, and this is when things start to get gross. And when we watched this scene, Adele was like, this is probably one of the most unsettling thing, <laughs> things I've seen in a while. It probably won't feel that unsettling mm. to describe it, but she, she, she keeps craving meat, she keeps eating it, but then she keeps having these reactions to it. Mm. And she then goes to the bathroom and we think she's going to throw up, but what she's actually doing is slowly regurgitating this really long strand of hair that just keeps coming out of her mouth. And she's just like, And it's very, it's very bodily. It's very gaggy. And it goes on for a long time. Like, I think one of the reasons this film is gross and one of the reasons that apparently at its premiere at Cannes, a few people had to be taken out and seen to by medical professionals because they were feeling faint is scenes like this and the fact that the director doesn't really cut away and just lets them last for what feels like way too long time. Anyway, that night, Justine finds the same cream that the doctor administered her Mm. in Alexia's cabinet. So she's Um, like, hang on, maybe Alexia had the same thing. Now, Alexia's, like, it's still this coming-of-age tale, Mm. and Alexia notices that she's got, like, unkempt eyebrows and, like, hair on her underarms and you know being a sort of teenage girl who's like you have to like you know who's very Mm. much in the thrall of the patriarchy is like what are you doing Mm. she's like i'm going to give you a bikini wax that we then have a scene where she tries to like rip her tubes off in Mm. a very like it's not like again it's like this film directed by a woman there's no male gaze here Mm. so it's very clinical it's very upsetting to watch an extreme close-up of wax trying to rip hair off and getting stuck so there's this one scene where it's like it's trying to rip the skin but it can't and you're like oh fuck what are they they going to tear the skin off are they going to tear the skin off but then they don't and the sister's like hang on i've got a pair of scissors i'm gonna cut it off justine's like do not do that oh my god please don't do that and she's like i will and justine's like no and it's almost like an involuntary reaction she kicks her sister's hand away that's holding the scissors her sister looks back up and justine's like what and then she holds up her hand and in the melee that is yeah, used, the scissors she's gone cut off, her hand. Well, no, no, she's cut off one of her fingers. And she looks at her finger and then she passes out. And Justine's like, oh my God, fuck, and goes into like panic sister mode, right? Mm. So she calls whatever 911 is in France. It's yeah. probably Ulala. She calls Ulala. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> 
So she calls Ulala and they're like, it's going to be 15 minutes. And she's it's like, what, 15 minutes? And they're like, in the meantime, put the finger in ice. Mm. So her sister is unconscious. Mm. She picks up the finger and she looks at it. And then yes, we're like, oh, yes, fuck. yes, yes, yes. Tell me so she first, ate the <laughs> No, no, first, first, she holds it over her hand and lets all the blood collect as, as a pool in her palm. And then she like pretty greedily like, <laughs> like slurps all that blood off. Yeah. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> and then she just starts like, you know how you eat a chicken wing? Mm. How you hold it between and then you're eating off the little bits? That's how she starts eating her sister's finger. Now at this point in the film And this scene goes for a good minute or two And I look over at Adele Who is not looking And Adele goes to me and she's like Look I just don't want the sister to wake up At that moment I look up at the screen And who do we see in the background The sister wakes up And is looking What are you doing (laughs) She is watching Justine eat her finger I can't believe cannibal cream. Is that effective? So, so, <laughs> they go to the hospital. <laughs> Alexia Where's has told... Well, no. So, Alexia, Alexia has told the, 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 the doctors and her parents that the dog ate the finger. <laughs> and so, the parents are like, we're going to put down the dog. And Justine... In a moment with the dad is like, hey, do we really have to put down the dog? Like, because it ate the finger. And the dad, in probably the moment that's like, here's what the film's about. You know how like every every horror movie has a line where it's like, by the way, guys, are you paying attention? Because this might be yeah. what the film's about. Animals and humans are not so far <laughs> apart or something. No, no, no. He's like, we have to put a dog down the moment it tastes human flesh. Because once it gets a taste for human flesh, it's never the same. Sick. Yeah, for the dad is a vet. I was like, oh, the dad's a vet. Awesome. And I was like, oh, hang on. There. Yeah, the dad's yeah, a vet. No, the so, dad is yeah, a vet. We, so we established the that. whole family. <laughs> so the next morning, uh, when the parents are gone, Alexia's like, Justine, don't fucking talk. You're coming with me. Mm. And then we see that scene from the start of the film, and it was Alexia who jumped in front of a car. Okay. So she jumps in front of a car, causes its crash. They look in. Alexia goes, they're not going to make it. And then she reaches her face in. We don't see what happens. But then she comes out and her mouth is like covered in dripping blood. And she's been eating the face of this guy in the crash car. Sounds awesome. Justine is horrified by this, right? But despite all of this, her craving for human meat just grows and grows. And she starts lusting after like it kind of this is where i said it's a coming of age film because it kind of goes along with her like she's she admits to the doctor early on that she's a virgin and she's quite like she's not really like a soup like a hyper sexual sexualized sort of teen but at this mm. moment she starts feeling an attraction to adrian even though adrian's gay like mm. she's got this sort of these sorts of feelings for him anyway so that's a thing that's happening in the background but mm. anyway so that night remember this hazy week-long hazing thing still going on she arrives at a party where she's covered in blue paint this guy is covered in yellow paint. They're thrown into this room and the seniors are like, don't come out until you're both green, which again is kind of gross. And no, isn't like, a rich... Consent, like, consent, yeah. consent, consent for fuck's sake. Anyway, so they're in this room. He's not overly gross, but he's very like, I'm kind. Oh. And not, like I'm going to... He, he is a bit like, don't worry, I'll take it slow, but is like kind of pushy onto her. 
But then she, at the last moment, she seems to join in. But then we cut to the door opening and him coming out. And a big ridge of his lip is missing. Like, and they're all like, what the hell? And she's like, it was an accident. I don't know how to kiss, basically. And it's, again, it's like a really gross, like it's gross, but the way it's presented, it's, it's quite, it's like, it's quite banal. <laughs> Did I do that? Yeah, awesome. Did I do that? <laughs> it's a Steve Urkel film. After what happened at the, t- at the paint party, Justine goes back home to her dorm and takes a shower. During her shower, she picks a chunk of the boy's lip out of her teeth and eats it. So Justine confides in Adrian what's happening and they end up having sex, during which there's this moment where mm. she keeps trying to bite him and he keeps pushing her away. And then she ends up just biting her own arm, which you might have seen in the trailer. Uh, yeah, so where, that... And she's quite satisfied and it's like, like you know how like you've bitten people before you know how hard it is to like properly break skin yeah you know with your teeth to do it to your own arm to the point where like like I've bitten you know, people before sorry, sorry sorry as a child everyone bit like okay. it's like yeah. like you I'm sure you weren't the biter like there's always one biter in every school you probably weren't that but like kids do dumb stuff <laughs> okay yeah okay <laughs> sorry I just didn't want to let that go unchallenged that I've bitten people so later on they got like I think they must be next to a med school because Adrian like takes them to like a hospital party uh, that he's like they're wild man and it's like okay you cool. just came from guess... the fucking vet hazing <laughs> blood fucking dog party <laughs> strap yourself in pitch because oh, well, I mean and the, the, the to be honest this is pretty similar to the other party okay. you know everybody's dancing there's lots of alcohol people are going crazy Justine gets super drunk because obviously she's not really dealing mm. with this change that's happening within her and Alexia takes her to the morgue uh, again, which is which is they're partying right next to the morgue in the med school, which it's the dance cool. it's the dance dance hall next to the morgue. <laughs> she then blacks out. She wakes up the next morning and everyone's staring at her and she's like, Why? And Adrian shows her a video of a drunken Justine crawling like an animal and she's so fucking drunk that she's basically like an animal on all fours. And Alexia is waving the arm of a corpse in front of her and she keeps trying to bite it and she doesn't get away. And like all the other students are quite rightly in shock. And to be fair, a lot of them are like, please don't film this. We shouldn't be filming this. We need to help. Like, you know, they're not all like that classic horror film yeah. when no one's helping it. Like, mm. you know, it's like they are genuinely like a bit concerned, but also a bit grossed out. Mm. Now, furious by what she's seen, Justine finds Alexia in the quad. In fr- and, like, and this is surrounded by heaps of people pushes Alexia in an attempt to attack her and the two fight. During the fight, Alexia bites part of Justine's cheek off, which is really gross, <laughs> and they bite each other's arms, finally taking comfort in eating one another, and they have this moment, and they're still surrounded by heaps of people, but they're both just sort of like comfortably like eating each other and just being like, oh, okay, <laughs> like, and it's bloody and gross, but they're kind of like, okay, until they're sort of pulled apart. But then Justine hits one of them with a backpack and helps Alexia up as they walk each other back to their dorms. Oh, God. Now we're getting to the finale of the film. Oh, fucking, okay. Now this is kind of like, this is where I was like, oh, okay. Okay, so Justine wakes up in bed with Adrian. Now, at, at, at a point, 
after they have sex, Adrian's like, why did I do this? I know I'm gay. I shouldn't have done that. I don't. And, you know, so so she, even he's pushing it, like everyone's pushing her away, <clears throat> but she's finding this communion within her sister. Anyway, so she wakes up in bed and Adrian's next to her and she's like, oh, this is really lovely. And she sort of touches his cheek and notices he doesn't quite seem alive. <sighs> mm-hmm. So she notices some blood on her hand, pulls off the blankets, and we see that pretty much half of his thigh is gone. And there's like exposed (laughs) tendons and things. And then she turns him on his back and there's a big puncture wound in his back. So he's been killed and then eaten during the night. And then she slept in the bed with him. She walks around the apartment and finds her sister in a kind of semi-catatonic state. Her sister has blood streaming down her mouth, so it's clear the sister was the one eating him. Um, and she finds a ski pole that was clearly the weapon that they... And the ski pole appeared earlier in the film, so it had some significance. Yeah, Chekhov's ski pole, I get it. It's, it's Chekhov's ski pole. <laughs> yeah. So she, she kind of holds the ski pole to her sister to be like, I'm going to kill you. But then instead of that, picks her up, takes her to the shower, and then sort of lovingly washes all the blood off of her. Mm-hmm. We, we cut to some time later. Yeah. Alexia is in prison and the family's visiting her there and then they leave and they go back home. And Justine is eating her vegetables and the mum's like, you can't leave the table till you finish your vegetables. And she's like, I'm not hungry. Anyway, the mum leaves and the dad's like, don't worry, it's not your fault. And Justine's like, I know. And he's like, it's not Alexia's fault either. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you see, when I met your mom at vet school, she didn't really like me. And I actually didn't get it until the first time we actually did get together and she kissed me and and he points at his lip and there's like a big chunk taken out of it. And then he unbuttons his shirt and there's all of these like bite and gouge wounds taken out of his chest. And he's like... Don't worry, you'll find a solution. And that's how it ends. And then it just goes raw, like in big red letters on the screen. And that's the end of the film. Peach, what did you think about 2017 French art horror film directed by Julia Ducourneau's Raw? I didn't I didn't love the ending. I feel like the dad's advice was, don't worry, like we'll find you a nice husband who'll put up with you. Like it was sort of the message I was getting from him, which I don't I don't particularly appreciate I, that. Or, I, or I think maybe that's it. wrong in the retelling. Like, I feel like it's kind of like you find a way to deal with it or, like, you'll find a way out of it. It was absolutely not uh, you'll find a partner who will deal with it. I promise you that. Yeah, okay. I think it was more like we've somehow created this by having you kids. Obviously, they, they strictly stayed vegetarian all their lives to try and stop this hunger from growing in their kids. Yeah, okay. But... It's happened to both of them, and now they're basically like, you'll find a way to deal with it. The idea of a cannibal coming-of-age film, it sort of almost feels like a response to a challenge of like, you couldn't make it. <laughs> yeah. And I find it quite effective from that from that point of view. Um, I like that they leaned into the disgustingness. Like, I'm sitting here feeling knocked off center, but also sort of gently engaged and optimistic. Like, you know, you were describing it as a drama and I was like, yeah, fucking like, all right, congratulations. But it strikes me as pretty effective. Mm. 
Shag. I can't formulate a shimmy shimmy yard joke without it feeling fucking corny. <laughs> Let's sign out. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? I've also got a super problematic film for next step, which will be awesome. <laughs>